the networking experience that most people have had is the the take first networking. The person who's shoving a business card in your hand or trying to find out who your insurance provider is or, you know, trying to pitch you or if they're at a slightly higher level, trying to get you to promote their launch or promote their thing or uh, still pitching you, just not trying to get your money, trying to get your support. You are listening to Amplify Your Success Podcast, episode 332. And today we're going to learn how to network like the rich and successful. You ready for this? Let's get started. Welcome to the Amplify Your Success Podcast. Get ready to ramp up your revenue, amplify your impact, and make your mark in the world. This is the show for experts, thought leaders, and service professionals who want to shatter their limits and achieve that next level. You're going to find out from other experts and influencers how they made it. Now, let's get amplified. Hey there, inspired entrepreneurs and business leaders. Your host, Melanie Benson, authority amplifier and possibility igniter for expert-based entrepreneurs. Today, we're going to be talking about networking the way the elite and successful do. And inside this episode, my guest is sharing some insights on studying people who really know how to cultivate connections in their life. And it's such a fascinating insight around the some of the behavior and the natural way of doing things that the elite and the uber successful and rich do. And so I want you to listen in through the filter of how you might take one of these insights and put it into action in the way you network and connect and collaborate with others. Now, speaking of collaboration, collaboration is one of my, it's just one of my favorite ways to uh, accelerate our growth in business. And I have accidentally discovered the power of collaboration when I started my business. I am now very intentional about it. And not everyone is somebody you are meant to collaborate with. So I want you to be thinking about uh, this week, who are the people in your community, in your industry that you should be collaborating with? It is one of the seven key factors that will accelerate the growth of your business, that help boost your authority, elevate your influence, and ultimately with the right collaboration partners and the right connections, you're opening doors to new audiences that would take you centuries to do on your own. Now, if you want to see how collaboration fits into my model of how to build a business based on leveraging other people's audiences that's bringing you six figures additionally, maybe more, maybe even seven figures, then head over to amplifywithmelanie.com right now and download my seven-step framework. This is the same seven steps I use over and over and over again in my business, in my Ignite Mastermind. Uh, We do a part of it in Guest Expert System, and it's all about learning how to put all the puzzle pieces together so it's a well-oiled machine and your business is growing fast. Now let's get into today's episode. Welcome back, Amplifiers. Today, we're going to develop a new skill. We're going to learn how to network like the rich people do. I am joined today by Michael Whitehouse, who is the guy who knows a guy. In 2014, he came to Groton, Connecticut, knowing no one at all. And a year later, after diving into networking with both feet, he was a major connector in the local community. Now, fast forward to 2020, he went global and began connecting entrepreneurs, investors, speakers, and others around the world 
to help them meet people they need to know. And now he offers his services as a networking concierge, making connections and building strategic alliances all over the world. He's also the host of the Daily Morning Motivation Podcast and the Guy Who Knows a Guy interview podcast, where I was really fortunate to be featured last year. So Michael, welcome to the show. And man, you are up to a lot of awesome stuff. So I can't wait to deep dive into this today. I, I do quite a few things. Yes. So yes, it's exciting you to are be here. A- you are what they call a renaissance man, right? Renaissance man. <laughs> has a nice ring to it. So mm-hmm. let's start, like we're, our topic today is about networking and how to really make those connections that people maybe like feel so blocked from. And I guess I thought it might be helpful if we just start with why does an entrepreneur, a coach, you know, someone who's got an expertise, why do they need a network? Um, well, it, it, networking is very helpful if you ever want to buy anything or sell anything. Because people like to buy from people they know, like, and trust. And you probably also like to buy from people you know, like, and trust. So uh, networking solves a lot of problems. Uh, mm-hmm. on, the, on the buying side, I was like to share the story of when I bought my house, I knew almost everyone involved in the process prior to the, the transaction. I knew our realtor. I knew our uh, mortgage broker. I knew our home inspector. He's actually a client of mine. I knew uh, basically the, I, I didn't know the septic guy. I didn't know... Um, I think I didn't know the guy who rented us our U-Haul, although I knew someone else who did rent U-Hauls, but he didn't have one for us, so I had to go to a stranger. And But other than that, I knew everyone in the process. And if you ever bought a house, you know there's some complexity and some mystery in it and a lot of, like, what's going on here? And if you don't have trust with the person you're working with, which you often don't because you just met your mortgage broker, you know, through findamortgagebroker.com or something, and they send over an application for you to sign for the seventh time... If I had to call my mortgage broker and find out what's this about every single time he said, sign this, it would have taken forever. Because I think we must sign the application nine times because this would change or that would change and then this would change. And I don't even know what changed. I just know we kept signing it because I knew him and trusted him. So it was boom, boom, boom. I was like, whatever, Mike, you say it. I do it. You got it. Same thing with our realtor. I knew her. We had a relationship. So when she said something, I'm like, all right, Molly, if that's what you're saying, that's what we're doing. You got it. So we're. it was a much smoother more stress-free experience or lower stress experience buying a house is never stress-free but lower stress experience because we had those relationships established and we didn't have to second guess everything they were doing be like oh we're trying to pull here we we had that and then on the buying on the selling side it's much easier to sell a referral than to sell a stranger so if people know what you do especially in a crowded marketplace where everyone might sound fairly similar. You know, in a lot of these spaces, you know, if someone's a marketing coach, you, would, you put 10 marketing coaches in line, they all do different things. But they all might present as, I help you increase your revenue and exposure. And, you know, you look at their LinkedIn pages, they all look the same. But if somebody knows them, they'll know, oh, you need to talk to Melanie because she does something specifically that you need based on what you just said. And nobody can do that if they don't know you. Yeah. So basically it's a way of kind of building connections to, so you're known for what you do and then you build a series of networks and connections so Mm -hmm. that people know what each other does so they can refer each other better. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And and the other benefit is, is that you will become aware of opportunities that you wouldn't even know to look for. Uh, I actually just had someone reach out to me out of the blue, uh, you know, someone I know who said, 
hey, I came across something. I think it would work for you. It, it's a it's a program where um, they offer various services that can help people save money, get out of debt, improve their business, whatever. And all I have to do is refer people in. I get a referral fee, and they do all the work because I've got the network and they've got the products. So that's perfect for me. I never would have found it. There's no way if I was Googling it, I would have found 50 scams that I don't want to deal with. But because I have a network of people who want to help me out because I've helped them out, you know, they reach out to me and say, hey, Michael, I found something. It's going to be perfect for you. You should check this out. And so I got an opportunity I wouldn't have gotten because I built this network. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think we we intentionally or unintentionally are building out a network. Like, I guess you intentionally build a network or you unintentionally uh, don't have a network. And mm -hmm. that network is really uh, a big part of how many opportunities come your way. I love that you brought that up. Yeah. So the premise of our of our topic today is that the rich network in a way that we could benefit from. Mm -hmm. So you've got me super curious, like, how do the rich network? Yep. And, and so actually, I came across this concept because I looked at the way I was networking uh, and realized, oh, this is like what rich people do at country clubs and how they get their kids jobs and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Because what most, let's get the contra example first. The networking experience that most people have had is the the take first networking. The person who's shoving a business card in your hand or trying to find out who your insurance provider is or, you know, trying to pitch you. Or if they're at a slightly higher level, trying to get you to promote their launch or promote their thing or uh, still pitching you, just not trying to get your money, trying to get your support. But they're still coming at it from what can I take? How, what can I get out of this interaction? Whereas if you imagine a wealthy group of, of folks hanging out at a country club or a yacht party or wherever rich people do rich people things, a Zeppelin, I guess. I don't know where they hang out. But, you know, wherever people like that, they're they're engaging in small talk and saying, you know, oh, how's your son doing? Oh, he's about to graduate high school. Oh, great. Where's he going to college? Oh, he's going to Duke. Duke, I, I know the dean of students down there. Let me put in a call and see if I can do anything for you. And so it's small talk, but that small talk can have big impacts. You know, oh, your daughter's graduating. Um, how's your job search going? Oh, she's looking to get into finance. Oh, I know some people on Wall Street. Let me put in a call and see if I can connect you and it's not and you know sometimes it gets a bad name that it's you know the gates of privilege and wealthy people just trying to hoard all the influence themselves it's not that it's just people helping their friends who happen to have influence and they're coming at it from an abundance perspective because rich people by definition have abundance so they're not like the starving insurance agent thinking i gotta make a sale while i'm here at this party otherwise i'm not going to pay the rent they're not worried about it. They're relaxed, and so they're just thinking, how can I help? And why do they want to help? Because helping is super fun. How good do you feel when your friend says, my son's graduating from college? You'd be like, oh, you want me to help him get a job? Superhero. Doesn't matter how rich you are. That feeling never goes away. So they, they're just helping each other out because they're coming to it in an abundance mindset. They're not trying to get anything. They have nothing to gain. They're just helping to help for that good feeling. Maybe, you know, to be seen helping, there's a little bit of prestige involved and social capital and whatnot, but it's, it's not coming from a place of, of avarice or scarcity. And what, so when I say networking like the rich do, everyone, whether you are the starving insurance agent or a multimillionaire investor, should approach a networking space from a perspective of what can I give? What can I bring to this? What problems can I solve? You know, 
do they have a family member I can help? Do they need a job? Do they need an introduction? Do they need a vendor or advice or an introduction to a really good book or whatever? How can I help? Because even if you are completely mercenary and just coming to take, you're just like, I want to put as many dollars in my pocket as I can. You're going to get more dollars in your pocket if you come in to help first and then to receive after. You got to put, you know, got to put value in the bank before you can withdraw from the bank. Well said. Wow, there's so many layers to this that are intriguing. And I love this concept of really what we're saying is be a giver mm -hmm. uh, before being a taker. Yep. And this idea that when you have this abundance state of being, helping is a natural state. Like mm -hmm. you have, you, you're coming from a place of like, I have enough, like I don't even need anything back. And I think that's a major mindset shift yep. when people in our industry, think about cultivating a network and I call it collaborating, building collaboration mm -hmm. currencies. I think there's always a twinge of like, what do I need versus how am I going to give? And so I'm just wondering for the everyday person <laughs> who's mm -hmm. not a uh, mega billionaire hanging out at the golf club, uh, what do we, what do, how do we start this network building from a place of abundance? Uh, part of it is, as you said, a mindset shift. It's focusing on, it, it's changing the rules of the game in your mind. Mm -hmm. So most people, the rules of the game in their mind are, what did I take from this event? And of course, you don't think take. You say, who did I meet? What opportunities did I find? But it's a nice way of saying, what did I take? Mm -hmm. And so your score is, how many dollars of sales did I line up? Or how many uh, partners did I line up? Or whatever that might be. Instead, change the scoreboard. Change the scoreboard to how many people did I help? How much did I help them? How much value did I create for other people that I met? And if you focus on that score of how much service you've provided, then you will discover that you're building that network. Um, because conversely, if you don't, you're still not going to get anything. If you go into an event... You know, and I see this all the time in the in the joint venture space, in the events where you know you go around the room and everyone gets forty seconds to introduce themselves, and somebody says, "I'm doing a, a, you know, ninety minute webinar on such and such promoting a nine ninety seven product with a forty percent commission." So if you want to help promote that, links in the chat. I don't really think click on that link. Somewhere between zero and none, because they don't <laughs> know you. There's no relationship. There's there's nothing there. So there's. It doesn't do any good. It doesn't do any bad. No one thinks less of you. You're just like everyone else. But if instead you can provide some kind of value in your 30 seconds or 60 seconds, somebody might be willing to click on that. So I might go in and say, I do a weekly roundtable podcast, and a lot of you seem really interesting. I'd love to have you on the show. I put the, I put the sign up in the chat. Now, this sounds like I'm being very generous, and I am. I'm inviting people to the show. But since nobody would have signed up to promote my program anyway, it makes more sense to invite them on my show, give them a platform, share their message, share their story, and then before or after the show, say, oh, by the way, I don't know if I mentioned, I've got a uh, program coming up. Would you be open to promoting it? And they'd say, well, you brought me on your show. Of course. Yeah, yeah I'd be happy to. Because you've already you've put, the value in the, uh, put the value in the bank first. So giving leads to receiving. Not necessarily directly. You know, the person I invite on the show might not be the person who ends up promoting my thing, 
uh, or it might be later, or it might, you know, it could be six months later. It could be like my friend who reached out to me after I hadn't spoken to him for six months and said, hey, here's an opportunity I think is good for you. But it's about not keeping score of what you've gotten, because a lot of these are small seeds. You know, some of these are bamboo seeds. You know, you plant it and it takes 20 years. It grows six inches in 10 years, and then the next year it grows 20 feet. So if you're not keeping score, you're not worried about, you know, well, I, I did help Melanie out with this uh, last week, and I haven't gotten anything, so I don't know if I should help her again. Instead, someone asked me a second time, I helped them a second time within what I'm able to do. Mm-hmm. And eventually, and it might be a matter of that person never does anything for me, but they're on a call or at a party, and my name comes up, and they're like, oh, yeah, he's the best. He's great. And they're like, yeah, I was wondering if I should promote his thing. But since you say that, okay, let me, I'll do that. Because it, it creates a a brand. It's about, basically about branding and influencing what people are saying about you when you're not in the room because you did nice things for them. Uh, I love that principle. And it's such a such a powerful way to go about it. And again, it comes back to that abundance mindset. Like I can start to mm-hmm. see all the places where the networks and the connections and the collaboration requests. Like I'm like starting to categorize and like, oh, that's been an abundance energy. Oh no, that was a scarcity energy. So it's uh-huh. starting to come into slots and it's making a lot of sense. You know, if somebody was uh, listening in and doesn't know Michael, because I've, I've known Michael a little bit now, um, they might really imagine you are a massive extrovert. Are you? Uh, that, that would be accurate. Okay. So... I've been I trying to be less massive. I've been working out and, you know, lost a little weight. <laughs> oh, oh, you mean like a really big extrovert? Yeah. <laughs> yeah <you mean. laughs> An extrovert. Yes, I, I am um, quite, quite, I'm about an 11 on a 1 to 10 scale of extroversion. Yes. Well... Um, I think as an extrovert, some of these principles might come more naturally, but let's maybe dial this in for someone who is more introverted Mm -hmm. and doesn't feel outgoing, doesn't feel like making connections is an easy thing for them to do. How would somebody like that go about building a network? Well, the the great thing about this, this concept of networking like the rich is introverts tend to find it easier because it's easier to say, how can I help you? Then here's what I need. People in general have trouble saying, here's what I need. But I think introverts especially have trouble expressing their own needs. Now, there, there is a, a challenge in that if you are only giving and never tell people what you need, they can't help you even if they want to. Um, but even as an extrovert, I, I fall into that trap as well. Um, but it tends to be easier in a conversation. Uh, now, assuming once you're in the conversation, we can talk about how to get into a conversation. But if you're in a conversation, it tends to be easier to say, how can I help you? Then this is what I need because that's a friction. You know, no one's ever going to be offended by how can I help you? Yeah. Everyone's going to like that question. So I think a lot of, a lot of introverts, first off, it, it consumes energy to engage in social interactions. That's what an introvert is. But also if you're shy, and there are shy extroverts, which is tough. You need social interaction, but you're uncomfortable getting it. Um, but if you're shy, it can be a lot easier to start from a position of giving because you know you're going to be well-received in the offer. Uh, And you can even do it, if you're offering to help people, you can even do it in more standoff places like social media. Uh, Back when I was less busy as a networker, I would occasionally post on Facebook and I'd say, you know, I've got quite a network. Who needs something? Who who can I help? Who can I uh, solve a problem with an introduction for? 
And I'd often get, you know, four, five, six people saying, I'm looking for this, I'm looking for that. And the great thing is a lot of these requests are beneficial on both sides. So, for example, someone's looking for a job. Well, if they're qualified for that job, I'm not just helping them if I got the job. I'm helping the employer I connect them with. It's a win-win. So both of them think I'm the coolest guy ever because this one got a job and this one got an employee. So, you know, employees cost a lot to recruit. So whatever it is, I'm often able to get value and build my network through that. And and a lot of those I've done without ever opening my mouth. I typed a Facebook message, and then I typed another Facebook message, and then I typed a Facebook introduction. And so it can be done in that service level. Now, you can't build a relationship without talking to people. Humans uh, need to interact directly to build a deeper relationship. But you can build out the network some degree uh, just by by doing, you know, in that way. The other thing I'll say about introverts is introverts have an advantage over extroverts in networking in that they tend to be more organized. Hmm. Because given the choice, an extrovert will choose going out and meeting more people over most activities, including taking notes, writing thank you cards, uh, writing down birthdays, anything like that. Like, what? Another event? Oh, gotta go! Whereas an introvert given the choice of there's two networking events, do you want to go to the second one or do you want to keep write down all your notes for the first one and do all your follow-up and send all those emails? Well, I want to make sure I got the maximum value out of that first one, so I'm going to take all these notes and write all this and send out some birthday cards and some thank you notes. And um, So I, as extroverts tend to have higher quantity of networking connections and introverts tend to have higher quality of networking connections. Because they don't want to meet and manage 3,000 relationships. They want to figure out how to have 50 relationships and get everything they need from those 50 people. Because that's way less work and way less energy than you know, those people. Whereas as an extrovert, I get energy from every person I meet. So I'll meet 50 more and 50 more and 50 more. Um, but I don't. Uh, my relationships often are not as deep as an introvert. Whereas an introvert can really, you know, go deeper in the level of attention and engagement. And um, if you have the chance to network with an introvert, it's awesome. I mean, network with me also, but networking with introverts is great because they, they tend to be more, more engaged in the process. Wow. This is fascinating the way you've defined that, because I think I must be an introverted extrovert <laughs> or an extroverted introvert. I don't know which, cause I really see, I, I have both, but mm -hmm. I used to go to a lot of events with somebody who's very introverted Yep. And I became more extroverted in that dynamic because he never felt like he wanted to start conversations, but I was good at starting conversations and he was really good at the engagement. So uh, mm -hmm. it was really fun to have a networking buddy that we could uh, tackle that together. And, and that's actually a great strategy as well. The, the wingman strategy works mm -hmm. really well in networking because mm -hmm. there's a, a heuristic of introductions. If somebody introduces you, you have higher trust. It doesn't matter who introduces you because yes. our monkey brain, you know, the back part that doesn't think much, says, ah, I got an introduction. This, this must be from a common, a common contact because a stranger wouldn't introduce someone to me. That wouldn't make any sense. So I must trust the person making the introduction, and thus I trust the person being introduced. But this works if we go to an event together and there's a stranger across the room who neither of us have ever met. And you walk over there and say, have you met Michael Whitehouse? Because I think you should meet him. And then he says, no, 
All right, yeah, let me wave him over. And then I'm introduced. This person might not even know your name, but the trust level is higher and the approach is easier because it starts from you two should meet. Uh, and, and so then there's already a couple lines of conversation you can pursue straight out of there, uh, as well as you have the heuristic of an introduction happening, which you can only do with a wingman, you know, you only do, or a wingwoman, you can only do if you have someone there with you partnering, but it can be very powerful to go, um, to go with a, with a friend, a partner, an event. As long as you don't fall into the trap of standing in the corner, talking to your friend. That's, <laughs> that's what most people I see who bring a friend to a network event end up doing. Mm -hmm. They, you know, cling to each other like life preservers and don't actually meet anyone. Um, and it, one of the, the tricks that Ivan Meisner teaches is the, the concept of um, open versus closed stance. So closed mm -hmm. is when you're face to face. It's hard to break into that when two people are face to face. There's no position to really stand to get into their conversation if you want to meet them. Versus uh, an open two is when you have two people standing more like a V-shape at a right angle to each other. So that way if somebody wants to approach them, they can walk over to that open space in the, in the V. Because the easiest way to meet people is to have them walk up and talk to you. So if you have body language that says, I'm open to meeting people then that makes it easier to uh, to be approached at events. Little uh, known secret, and maybe you know this already, but uh, that V-shape is also a great way if you're wanting to get out of a conversation, mm -hmm. <laughs> how to, uh, without being rude, uh, allow an en the energy of someone else to step in so you can step out of the conversation. So it's, yeah. a, it's what we learned in NLP called a break state. So <laughs> it oh, works yes. in both directions. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know it as a concept, but definitely mm -hmm. I can certainly see how that works. And I've, I've had plenty of times where I've made an introduction and then walked away mm -hmm. um, because, you know, I know both the people and they're about to spend five minutes getting to know each other. Yeah. So, so then I can, can say, you know, Melody, you've met John. Okay, great. Yeah. You guys should definitely talk. I have some other people I need to talk to, but keep it up. And of course, what, what happens very often is 30 minutes later, I look over, they're still talking to each other. Yes. Because that's that's when you know you've done a good job. Yep. Or they're just both shy and they don't want to have to meet new people. <laughs> there is that. Both work. <laughs> You know, I want to circle back to something you uh, said a little bit earlier. You were talking about openings and, you know, how can I help you or how can I be of help? And I know sometimes that that's, that may not always be the best way to enter into a conversation, especially if you're somebody who you don't have a lot of bandwidth right now. Maybe you're looking for another way to enter into a conversation and open that up. Do you have another, like, like networking prompt or opening question that you find really valuable? Uh, so I, I generally do try to find some way to help people that is uh, high leverage, low engagement. Um, mm. So, you know, making, making an introduction takes two to four minutes. So uh, it, it will take longer to talk to someone than to actually make the introduction that you offer. So the, so when I say, how can I help? It's not like, I'm not going to help you move. I'm not, going to help you clean your house i mean it's identifying a problem and, and it's it's usually not a matter of actually saying how can i help you because most people if you ask them that question they look freeze like a deer in the headlights in fact that's what happens to me which is why yeah. i'm asking the question when people say how can i be of help i'm like uh, i don't know <laughs> yeah it happens to me almost every time i'm asked and i'm the one who teaches in fact if you set up a call with me part of what i send out in the pre-call email is a video that says here's how to work how, if you're meeting with a connector be ready 
you're going to get the question, how can I help you? Um, mm -hmm. So you'd think I'd be ready. And yet still, the cobbler's kids have no shoes, you know. Um, so, yeah, that, that is a, a tough question. The interesting thing about that question and asking it, because most people tend to freeze like a deer in the headlights and not have an answer, is you will get credit for trying to help them, even if they don't have an answer for you, because you offered to help. And they know they weren't ready for the they weren't ready for the question, but thanks for asking, and I'll definitely let you know if I think of anything, which they won't, but they'll have that good feeling of that was really nice of them to, to offer to help. Um, mm. But if you really do want to provide value, it's more a matter of allowing them to share in a way that will get to a problem they have. Yes, there so, you go. Yeah, yeah. So you, you want them, you want to find out what they need. Um, yes. At some network events, I asked the question, what did you come here hoping to find? Um, this needs to be a certain level of quality of networking event because at many of the events are like, oh, just some good wine and nice hors d'oeuvres. And I'm like, cool, <laughs> there's the table. Have a good night. Let me go find someone who's here to network. Um, but at a, a more professional you know, event where people are actually there to network, if you ask a question like, what were you hoping to find tonight or who are you hoping to meet, they will often know. And in a live event, there is a remarkably high probability that you've already met the person they need to meet. I have been shocked how often it is that among the four people I met before I met this fifth person, one of the four is the person they need to meet. And I can actually say, oh, do you know Susie over there? Oh, let me walk you over. You should definitely meet her. And then that introduction takes seconds because I don't have to write an email or explain who they are and why they should meet. I can just go, you two should definitely talk to each other about widgets because you're both in the widget industry and uh, I think you you got some collaboration. I got to go get some more wine. And boom, introduction made. I have served. I have created value with a minimal uh, minimal weight and high leverage by letting by giving them the chance to reveal what challenge they have, what problem they have, so that I can. And there's, there's basically three ways you're going to help someone: an introduction, advice, or a product. Uh, you know, the introduction obviously. Advice is referral to a website, podcast, YouTube channel, book, um, you know, some solution or idea that, that you know of. And then the third one is the best one, but the rarest one, because that's when you sell them something. Uh, but it's only when they've already revealed a need. And, you know, if I'm talking to someone and, and they say, you know, my biggest problem is every one of these I go to, I have an anxiety attack, never meet anyone I need to meet, and their network investor is awful and I hate them, my boss makes me go. Um, well... I might be able to segue that into a conversation about coaching um, because they've already identified the problem. And not only is it okay to mention at that gently at that point that I might have a solution, it'd be kind of a jerk thing to not mention that I have a solution. If you're telling me you hate networking and it's so uncomfortable and awful and you never get any value. And I'm like, well, yep, that's a problem. That, that kind of sucks. Doesn't it? Anyway, I'm going to some more wine. Like what kind of jerk am I that I didn't offer you the solution that my business has. So, but it's only appreciated if they've already identified a problem that matches the solution that you sell. Otherwise, you're that guy shoving business cards in people's hands and you don't want to be that guy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm a fan of uh asking questions, finding out what people really need and want and then mm -hmm. asking them how you can be a value. I think that's great. Yeah. Okay, the big big question on everybody's mind. How do you monetize the effort of networking? Like, how do you take all that time and energy you invest in building a network and make some uh, money out of that? 
so this involves having an answer to the question of how can I help you? Because all this good networking will key up a lot of people to say, how can I help you? So if you have an answer, then then you're much more likely to be able to get it. Um, so there's there's two two branches of that question. One is if you have a well-structured business already, you have an offer, you have a program, you have a marketing funnel, you have uh, discovery calls, you have whatever it is. And if you have that, then it's a matter of using networking to get the things you need in your system. Hopefully when you built the system, you discovered I need to meet these kinds of prospects. I need to meet these kinds of partners. I need to find these kinds of opportunities. And then when you have people who like you because you've done things for them, you can ask them for help. You know, who do you know who has an audience of accountants? Because I work really well with, um, you know, my, my product's great for accountants or whatever. The other group of people is the people who are great networkers and don't have a product that ties into it, um, which I have, may have been at sometimes. And then it's a matter of finding ways to to monetize the value created, which can be a little bit challenging since networking is traditionally something you do, you know, out of kindness and generosity and reciprocity, which doesn't work if you don't have a monetization path. People can introduce people to you all day long. You still won't make any money if you don't have anything to sell. But what, what more and more networkers are discovering and more and more businesses are discovering on the other side is that there is a value to introductions. Um, so this is what uh, affiliate referrals are, but um, and that this can be affiliates on the on at scale, you know, promoting to your email list or your audience or your community, but it can also be uh, individual referrals. So setting it up so that when you talk to someone and they have a problem, you have a solution to someone who is a trusted, high quality, high integrity, high character individual who happens to pay you when they get business from you. Hmm. And and there's no conflict of interest because in most of these industries, if one person will pay an affiliate fee, everyone will pay an affiliate fee. So if they don't treat your clients right, if they don't treat your refer your referrals right, they're out the window and you're on to someone else because there's plenty of fish in the sea. So your loyalty is always going to be to the, the people you're referring, but you can set it up so that you get value directly from um, those introductions. And then what, what some people do, including me, is I actually have a, a retainer model where people can people pay a retainer to get on the whiteboard of clients, which is the board that I have that has all my clients' names. So every meeting I'm in, I look up and I see my, um, my clients' names and I think, does this person or do my clients need to meet this person? If so, I'm going to make that introduction. And if not, I'm not going to make that introduction. Um, but, you know, it's always keeping them top of mind and introducing them to the people they most need to meet. And that's that's the most efficient way um, because you can only be so many places. And like anything else, if you can find someone who is better at, likes more doing something rather than you doing it yourself, then it makes sense to hire them. So that's why. And there's not a lot of us networking concierges out there, but. Yeah, that's why we're here to save people time and money and energy and connect them to opportunities they wouldn't otherwise be able to find. I love it. Yeah, that those are some great ideas. Uh, you know, Michael, I'd love for you to share how people can get a copy of your book because I'm assuming that people can go much deeper into this and learn a lot more. Get inside that Michael brain of yours. Um, how can they get a, access to your book? Well, so the book is called "The Guy Who Knows a Guy," 
And they could go on Amazon and they could buy a copy of the book if they actually want the physical paper in their hands, which I certainly recommend. But if they do not need the physical paper, they can go to guywhonowsaguy.com and they can put their email address in a little box at the top. And in their email, they will get the PDF version of the book. Hmm. And then on top of that, because I have never in my life read an entire PDF book, they will get the MP3 audio recording of the book read by the author. So they can read the book while walking the dog or mowing the lawn or doing whatever else they're doing. Yeah, and I pretty I, much only do audiobooks these days. So that's very yeah. handy to have. So a guy, yep. guy who knows a guy.com will link that up in the show notes for all of you as you're yep. listening in today. Uh, and, and with that, like, I really hope uh, as you you're listening to today, like you look at your network and say, what could I improve? How could I be more of a giver? And uh, what's one way I could really kind of kind of like develop the helping abundance mindset in the networks I'm building? And uh, I hope you'll go get a copy of Michael's book and tap into some more of these strategies. So, Michael, this is the point in the conversation that I like to just ask a couple fun questions to uh, our audience. Fun. Yeah, fun questions. They're the ones we ask all, all of our guests. What is the boldest thing? you've done up to now uh, to amplify the reach of your work? Boldest thing. Uh, so the thing that comes to mind, which may not objectively be the boldest, but the boldest thing that comes to mind right now um, is I started running virtual summits. And mm, I saw that. Uh, I did so in much the way I do many things, um, my way without worrying about how other people do it. And I said, so I see a bunch of these summits. I don't like what I see. I don't like attending them. So I'm going to make one I want to attend. And it's the I'm going to run it the way I want to run it. And it's going to come out the way I want it for an event I want to attend. And maybe it won't be very good. Maybe it won't produce much results. Uh, because, you know, I'm doing it my way. I'm not following the best practices. And then I discovered after running about 10 of them, not only are they super fun, but they actually get some pretty decent results. And a lot of people register and good things happen. And of course, because I'm the guy who knows a guy, lots of connections get made during the course of the summit. Cause if there weren't connections being made, it wouldn't be a Michael Whitehouse event. Yeah. I love that. That's great. I think sometimes doing something the way you want to do it rather mm -hmm. than following the model is a bold thing for people to do. And magic usually happens. So yeah. <laughs> that yeah. sounds like a great example. And as you're standing in this moment today, looking back at tra the trajectory of your growth, your business, all the things that um, you, decisions you made to grow and, and help more people, is there something that you wish you would have done sooner? Because now you know how impactful it was. Most of it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's the specific thing that I would have liked to do sooner. I, I think more intentionally uh, building communities. So I, I, I've been using Facebook groups since the beginning. In fact, I think my, the guy who knows a guy Facebook group existed before I started my business. I wrote the book in 2017, but I started the business in its current form as a pandemic pivot. Um, but I, I first learned from a bunch of um, quote unquote gurus, you know, people who knew a bunch of stuff and whose businesses were eight year, eight months older than mine. And so the, the conventional wisdom was a Facebook group as a marketing platform and 
and not really a community, and you're using it to advertise and whatever. And I've started to recently use my groups as communities, not marketing tools. And the results have been both positive for business, but also positive as an asset. Um, I have a, a private group of just people I've met. And the only way you get into it is I've we've had a conversation. If we haven't had a conversation, you can't get in. And I almost use it as my own private mastermind. So when I run into a challenge, I'll post that group and I'll be like, here's what I'm thinking about doing. What do you guys think? And I've gotten amazing advice and amazing feedback, and amazing support. Um, and I hope that other people in the group have also gotten value out of uh, being there and involved in those conversations as well. But, but yeah, being more intentional about building communities in virtual spaces instead of just trying to build marketing platforms. Nice. I'm so glad you shared that. Intentionality is very powerful. Michael, you've brought so much great wisdom today. Thank you for joining me in this space. I hope you guys will all run right now, drop what you're doing, and go get a copy of Michael's book. Um, if there is one thing that is pure gold, it's like the golden egg that continues to lay more, like, or I guess it continues to uh, create more gold for you, <laughs> maybe it's the best way to say it, is building your own network. And it's going to have a huge impact on your success not just this year, not just next year, but for years to come. So Michael, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in today, Amplifier. Be sure to join us right now in the Amplify Your Authority community at authorityamplifiers.com. And I'll share my seven proven tips to be a highly paid expert that stands out in a crowded market. Plus, we're going to keep this conversation going. And I want to hear from you how you're going to amplify your authority and make a greater impact. Before you go, please take a minute to give our show and our guests some love over on your favorite podcasting platform. Subscribe, rate, and review. Leave your full name and I'll spotlight you and your authority on social media. 